Hey, 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 welcome back to The Lavelda Show, Women of Power. Wonderful to be back here today. This is the show where we dive into women's power tools, the tools, techniques, and strategies that make up the essence of a woman's power. Well, one of the things I really wanted to talk about, when we talk about that word power, you know what happens? We start to think we've got to have our stuff together all the time, that there's no room for being teary-eyed and whining or being in our feelings about things, but that power is this thing that women, we hold onto and we go out there and show people what the world's all made about. And actually, I find that often people have a little bit of difficulty with the word power. So I'm very excited to have my guest here today, who's author of the book Knocked for Six, From Helpless to um, Hopeful. Welcome today, my guest, Ori Ogunbayou. Thank you for having me here. I'm really, really excited to be with you, Lavelda. It's wonderful to have you here. So you have an incredibly fascinating story. I mean, we say that I mean, everybody has their, their story. We all have things we've been through. Some have been through more. Some have been through a little bit less. And we handle them in very different ways. But you did have a few challenges through life. I mean, let's just say it was a bit more, a bit, little bit more than a few bumps in the road, shall we say? Well said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to start. If you were to give us the highlight reel, just if we were to say, just a quick, let's ju let's just say we were doing the um, the abridged version, where we're just going to tell you what the little chapters were. Okay. What, what did that look? So like about two hours then. Uh, we, we we've got maybe about two minutes. <laughs> okay. So my chapter looks like this. I was born to Nigerian parents who came over to study a long, long time ago. I won't give away my age yet. And at three months old, I had to be fostered. And I was raised in what we would call a white home. My father was a Scottish man. My new mummy was an English lady and I loved them. My foster dad was the first man I ever fell in love with. And he was a hero to me. And I was with them for close to seven years. And then something happened in my young life that took me from a place of being empowered and bubbly and confident about the world to a place of having everything ripped away from me following an abduction. My goodness. Yeah. So that, that doesn't half change a person or leave a little imprint, does it? <laughs> well, gosh, where do I start? I mean, I was taken from everything that I knew. I was taken from my home in Maidstone. I was taken from my little puppy. I was taken from a father that I loved. I was taken from my school. And I was taken from my boyfriend because when I was six years old, I got myself a man. Oh, of course you did. You know, yes. moving up in the world. I believe in upgrading. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I had everything else that I wanted, so why not? But that wasn't the only bump, was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I've had a few in my life. Um, this particular bump was probably the one that had the most impact mm -hmm. because I was displaced and I found myself in a vulnerable position at a very young age. Yeah. But yes, I've had a few others. My father died when I was 11 years old, leaving my mother and three brothers in a state, not his fault, but we ended up be living in poverty. And then I was told after I was married that I could never have any children. So that was another huge knock. And then four years ago, my husband passed away. So it's been, it's been a bit of a journey. Um, and, and I guess one way that we can describe it or that many would describe that is to say, my gosh, Ari, aren't you strong? Well, I wouldn't say that, I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm 
just tired. That's where I'm at. And I'm at a place now in my life where I think, well, I've had a few bums. I need to start living my best life now. Yeah. I can't I can't wallow in the past. I can't focus on what I no longer have. I need to look to the future and think, all right, based on what's happened, what can I take from that and move forward and enjoy life? Because I don't take things for granted anymore. Yeah. And, but what kind of impact does that leave? I mean, it's a lot of movement of having things here and then them not being there anymore. How does one navigate that and still be able to connect with people, right? Well, none of these things were planned. Yeah. I was not warned they were going to happen. So there wasn't a blueprint in place, so to speak. Yeah. And I guess as one knock hit, I took the punch and just got up again and thought, okay, because I wasn't anticipating anymore. Yeah, you kind of like, got through that. Yeah, so, so I gave it my best fight at that particular point in time. But I must say my initial knock, I did not fight it. I was vulnerable, I gave in to being vulnerable, and then I became a victim of my circumstances. And as a young child, I was in a hopeless situation. I, I really, really was. And so that probably was the biggest fight that I had to find and then na navigate a way forward. And that defined me as a woman. Yeah. And I know you work a lot with, with children. Is that because of, because of your story in terms of dealing with that, being able to teach children at a young age? Because I think nowadays, particularly with social media, when we don't necessarily know what was going on in the way that we used to, you know, back in the day, you know, you could see it in front of you, but, yeah. but now everything could look fine, but there's some online conversation or something happening in social media that has an impact, not like an abduction, but can be, <laughs> can be having an impact on young people. Is that why you got into to, to working so deeply with, with younger children? I didn't get into it because of the abduction. That was just something that I thought happened to me. Yeah. That was my story. That was my pain. And so I wallowed in that particular pain. The defining moment for me came when at age 14, because as a result of the abduction, I, I, I wasn't familiar with anything. I didn't know the food. I didn't know the language. I didn't know the people because I was taken to Africa. So totally displaced. So not even the same country? No, no, no. no, oh, no. That would have been easy. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, easier. <laughs> you know, at some point you could get on the internet and go back home. You know, you might have been able to find your way back to Maidstone. Exactly. At least or at least go to a police station yeah. where I know I could be heard. And none of that was afforded to me. And, and so I became the victim of name calling. I was in a place where my accent was different. I was a bit on the chubby side. Yeah. I was a bit like theater from the chipmunks. And everybody loved me in Maidstone. But now in Africa, people were calling me names like Fatso, Elephant, Okotumbo. And I was just being diminished as a human being. By the time I was 14, Lavelda, I hated myself. Oh and I wanted to be anybody else but me. And I remember an occasion, this was the defining moment. And I tell this story when I work with young people. It's a hard story to tell, but I tell it because I need to, them to understand that because I'm confident now doesn't mean that I didn't have to work for it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I don't understand where they're coming from if they have low self-esteem or low self-worth. So I'd gone to a party and long story short of it, when I got there, there were two boys at the door. They stopped me and said, excuse me, what do you want? And I said, well, I'm here for my friend's party. And that was the first party I'd ever been invited to because mm. I wasn't cool. And they looked me up and down, looked at each other and looked back at me and said, are you sure? 
And at that moment, I knew that they were assessing me as to how I looked. I was overweight. I wasn't wearing the right kind of gear. I'd lost my father by then, so we didn't have much money. And I knew that they were basing their value of me on what I looked like. And I said, could you please just go and get my friend? So I was almost begging, mm -hmm. go and get my friend and she will tell you that she invited me. So off they went and came back, arms folded, looked me straight in the eyeballs and said, sorry, we can't find her. People were watching, laughing, nobody intervened. I had to turn around and go home while people watched. It took me two hours that day and three buses to get home. And I cried all the way home. Wow. By the time I got home, Lavelda, I had concluded that Ori, you are the most useless, worthless person that I know. So as I grew older, still fighting this place where I was, I thought to myself, I will never be responsible for causing anybody hurt. Mm -hmm. I want to be someone who can give other people in my position hope. And as I became older and I started to learn, I saw a quote once that said, if you are a doormat and you don't like it, get off the floor. I love that quote. So I got off the floor and started to work on me. And at that moment, I knew that my work was, was with young people who make, because that's the age where you struggle to define yourself, yeah, to find self-worth, where there's peer pressure. And you can't be your authentic self because other people are watching and it's your responsibility to take what they think about you on board, something mm -hmm. that I did. And people were wrong about me. And so I'm out there fighting for these young people that no, there is hope. You don't have to be this person that they say you are. Yeah. And to have something, to have those events happen at such a young age, it's very easy to, um, and, and as adults, you, you, you were in some ways almost one of the lucky ones who had that revelation to be able to say, no, this is not who I am and this is not who I'm going to be defined as. But it's also a great reminder that often we can look at where somebody is today and go, oh, look at her, she's so together. She's got it together, so confident, all of her. But it could have been, it could have gone in a completely different direction. Um, one of the things that really comes to me is often we can say, well, that's because she's super strong. And the thing that defines Ori, what it means is I need to not listen to anybody, not say what I'm feeling, not have any moments of weakness or vulnerability. I just need to be really strong is that what got you through is that is that where we need to be as women to just be that pillar of strength all the time no oh okay we need to give other people the opportunity to serve us and feel that they have contributed and be strong i couldn't have made it on this journey without other people contributing initially i didn't recognize it as such you know people a couple of people trying to remind me of my my sense of self-worth and, and that type of thing, contribution to me. But as I've become older, I've, I've realized, especially after losing my husband, that people don't buy what you know or what you can do. They buy who you are and they want to connect with other human beings. People like you to ask them for help. You know, people like to think that they are the ones who are in a better position. And vulnerability, when used well, is a strength. It's gotten me through so much, being able to cry, being able to be honest with people, to say this is where I am, and then allowing them to contribute to me so that I can get through this particular point in my life when I can then stand alone again and continue on this journey. So I don't have any secrets. I tell people how it is and how I'm feeling. And as a result of it, 
people tell me what's going on. Young people love me for being open with yeah. them and being honest. And so they're very, very comfortable with me because they know I'll, be, I'll keep it real. If I'm paying them a compliment and I'm saying you are doing well, they believe that I mean it Yeah. because I wouldn't say it otherwise. And how did you get to that space of being able to be so open and vulnerable, especially after some of the events in your childhood? Because it would be very easy especially being abducted, to see vulnerability as something you don't do. Um, after being bullied and wanting to fit in so much, seeing, well, I'm not going to say I'm feeling insecure and I'm not feeling 100% because there's not a safe space for that to be into. So how did you get to a space where you can know when to fire up the strength and know when to step into the vulnerability? You see, strength is an inside thing. It, it's not about the physical ability to move things or make things happen. It is what you tell yourself. It is what you tell yourself. People told me a lot of things for a long time and I bought into it. Mm. The day that I thought to myself, you know, if you don't like being a doormat, get off the floor. I thought to myself, okay, I've got off the floor now. So what am I supposed to do with this? And I thought, I don't know where to start. I didn't have counseling. I didn't, I didn't know that it was a thing when I was a teenager. So the first thing I did was I picked up a piece of paper, made a list. I made a list of all the things that people had said to me that were actually good for a change. And then I wrote down the things that I thought I was good at and some of the school, skills that I had and my qualities as a person. And I made a list. Then I made a list of things that I didn't like. Number one was being fat because that's what people call me fat. So and I thought I was defined by that yeah. back then. I was wrong, of course. I get that now. And I wrote down my list of things I didn't like about myself. And there were three. And I looked at the piece of paper. and I thought, all right, you look good on paper, man. <laughs> You look really good on paper. Why are you allowing these people to diss you? Yeah. And at that po moment, I thought to myself, I'm taking back my power. I'm staking my claim. And I realized that to be a powerful woman, one, you needed to accept yourself for who you were. Two, gain an understanding of your purpose. And three, know that you're enough. And I'm thinking, if somebody doesn't like me the way I am, it's a you problem. <laughs> it's no longer a me problem anymore. Yeah. And I've, I've, I, when I offloaded that baggage, I became light. And so all of my energy I use with, to, to do positive things, they don't always pay off, but I feel powerful in doing that with my time and my energy now and my self-talk. Yeah. It's great. It's really interesting because there's a lot of, we can want to go a lot outside of ourselves to piece things together and, and you know, you say it very almost flippantly, like it's a you problem, not a me problem, but that's a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You could, you could say that to yourself once. And when, then when you're back in the moment, you find yourself back in, oh my gosh, they said this. You've got to catch yourself in the moment to of move course. forward. Um, I know you've written your book. Mm -hmm. We've got a copy of it here. Check this out. How did this come to be? Was, tell me, because yeah, I, mean, I know it's like your, your journey, your life story. It's kind of like a story tale. What you're sharing here today is already incredibly inspirational to hear because it just sometimes in hearing what somebody else has been through, it's not necessarily a case of, well, let's look at that and compare my life to yours, mm -hmm. but also just being able to get to the point of hearing some of the lessons that we can take from it, which is, okay, hold on a minute. People have been through some stuff and yeah, we all have those moments where maybe we're not feeling like, you know, we're on top of the world. So how did the book come to be? When, when did you start? When did the idea come about? 
Can you tell us a little bit? Yes. The first thing I'm going to admit to is being a reluctant author. I did not want to write. I, I like talking. I, you, I can talk for hours. But get me down writing, my fingers start to hurt and I'm just not interested. But I had done, well, I've trained over 50,000 young people. And one thing that tends to be a common thread is that the organizers say a teacher or a head of a charity will say to me, have you got a book? And I say, no. And said, really, you should write a book. And I'm like, okay, that's a good idea. And then my mother keeps saying, Ori, you need to write a book. Ori, you need to write a book. And I'm thinking, one day, mom, one day, mom. And that's been going on for about 10 years. <laughs> and then COVID hit. And then my young daughter said to me, so I've got two daughters, a 21-year-old, Faye, and an 18-year-old, Fito. So Fito said to me, mommy, you need to write a book. And I thought, really? She said, yes. I said, okay, you've said it. My mum said it. I'm going to start writing. So during the COVID, uh, the lockdown, the first lockdown, I started to put to, on my computer a bit of my story. And then I called my mum up and said, mommy, could you, could you write, tell me what, what your take was on this? Because I'm writing it from the view of a six-year-old. Yeah. And some of the... The details are not going to be exact. Exactly, yeah. Exact. And so my mom sent her own bit. I started writing, started writing, started. I'm really reluctantly and resenting my young daughter for asking me to do this writing. I don't see myself as a writer. I'm thinking, but I've given her my word and I believe in keeping your word. So I'm typing and typing. And then I had to stop. So this was last year. And I thought, at least I've tried. I gave it a go. I gave it a go. So I'm and then, and then, this is interesting. What I then did to make myself feel good about it is that I, on Saturday, continue your book. On Friday, I then bump it up to the next Saturday. And that went on through Christmas till February. I kept on bumping it up. At least it's on my to-do list. It's, it's still on the list. And then, I didn't let it pass. Exactly. I looked I'm at still, it and I'm I went, still thinking tomorrow. about it. Yeah, exactly. And tomorrow never came. And so then, during the lockdown, I started to think about the work I do with young people. And I wasn't being engaged because all the schools are shut down and so here I was a broke trainer so to speak I'd spent up all of my reserve I thought all right all right pull all of your stuff together and I created this model called the thrive model mm -hmm. based on public speaking mental health let's have tea and building confidence and inside job and as I put that model together I thought to myself Ore, you got stopped in your book because in my head I thought who wants to read about your story? You're yeah. not Michelle Obama. Who really cares? As long because there's no takeaway, there's no value in yeah. it for the reader. And then I thought, this is the value. So what I then did, I put my mindset in the head of a teenager mm -hmm. and thought, a teenager wants a small book. Most of them don't want to read. So let me write something they could read on a plane. Let's yeah. say they haven't got Wi-Fi, so it's short. Let's make it catchy. So let me tell them my story. And then let me take my Thrive model and break it down in such a way that it's almost like a reference. If they're going for an interview, they can quickly have a look at the public speaking chapter, which is like two pages. Yeah. If they're feeling a bit like, I don't want to disclose about my mental health, what did Auntie Ore say? Because that's my purpose in yeah. life now, to be an auntie to every young person. Okay, I'll have a look at that. And then, oh, I'm feeling, not, in fact, I don't have any confidence, but Auntie, Auntie Ore said she used to be hopeless. Let's have a look at what she says. Yeah. And the first thing in my confidence, they just write a list, make a list. Yeah. And that's when all of a sudden, within two weeks, I completed the book. Wow. And I thought, what do I do next? And then I joined a group of authors, asked for their take, and I thought, I'm going to self-publish. Mm -hmm. And by April, I'd self-published on Amazon. And I thought, okay, I've written it now. People can leave me alone. Tick. And then I, I gave it out to 40 people to review. Yeah. And the reviews came back in. And at that moment, I thought to myself, here we go again, Ore. You've taken another journey. 
you try to second guess yourself, which is one of my rules not to do. Yeah. If you sec don't second guess yourself, just do it. If it fails, it fails. You learn from yeah. it. And if it's successful, well, hey ho, you know, lucky you. So I thought you almost second guessed yourself and left this alone and look at the impact it's making mm. on people. Ore, well done. And I have to tell you, Lovelda, it's one of the best pieces of work I've ever created. And I am proud of myself for, for doing this and seeing it through. And all I want now is for every young person to read it. If I could hand it out to them, I would for free. I would, because that's why I wrote it. Yeah. But I need it in the hands of as many young people as possible. Otherwise, I think to myself, all I've done is rant and get stuff off my chest. <laughs> I think you did a lot more than rant and get stuff off your chest. And it's a great reminder that um, every time we show, I say to people, every time you show up, you have impact. And, and I think sometimes if we choose not to show up, we choose to not have not have an impact and it doesn't matter whether that's one drop but it's ripples right you don't know you don't know what the person you impacted goes on to do yeah. and you had a role in that right um so you were incredibly powerful i because to me i kind of think i'm looking at you going the woman in front of me right now and i kind of rewind and look at you know, some of the things we've only skimmed over the highlights of some of the things that have happened in your life. And we, we focused on some of the things that weren't quite so joyous. And there's been a multitude of incredible things as well, including the book, which we, did, we have spoken about. But I'm now curious, what is it that you think makes a woman powerful? What do you think is the essence of a woman's power? Like I said earlier, I mean, I've got my own, because we're all individuals yeah. and what will work for A won't work for B. But as a rule, I really do believe that the underlying, the underlying mindset should be one of self-acceptance because I've had to go through that process. Self-acceptance is, is one. Understanding our purpose is another. And then knowing that that is enough, we are enough. We're not living our lives for anyone else. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of like the foundation. But in terms of what I use for me and in my, in my world is the first thing is for me to be my authentic self. Yeah. Otherwise that underlying thing is pointless. My you say that, but sometimes that, that, that in itself can be quite difficult because there's it moments is. where you think, let me just bend myself, you know, let me just, you know, bend around this person. I've tried that. I've tried that and I've realized that I can't please everybody. So why bother then? You know, I've tried to be everything to all men and still there are complaints. So why don't I just be myself? And I found out that people like me being me more than that pretend person. So I thought, all right, first, number one, be your authentic self and have a genuine interest in contributing to others. So that's my number one thing. And that's just how I am being as a person, yeah. you know. And the number two thing is to, you know, once you have found your purpose, don't second guess yourself Ooh. or compare yourself to others. Ooh. I even did that recently. And then I had to, to, to recall myself. I was in a, in, in a conference with other women presenting what, what we do. And this lady came out, she had all of these wonderful, you, you know, research and she had these, and, and it was, and I'm thinking, but I'm so simple. And I thought, all right, simplicity and being fun, that, those are your unique selling combinations. That's what makes you you and your authentic self. So don't compare yourself to somebody else, just do you. And I did me and they loved me. So I thought, yeah. I love that you say that. Um, you know, I have a conference I host called the Female Speakers Conference. And on more than one occasion, one of my speakers has got spooked by the speaker before them. 
And um, it saddens me a little bit because everybody's been selected for their own unique talents and skills. Yes. And I didn't request of them to be anybody else. But they, they, like, on more than one occasion, they've got so caught up in watching uh, somebody on the stage before them. Yes. Uh, or multiple people on the stages before them and then sunk into, but who am I to show up and who am I to be this person and yeah. who am I to speak and why am I here? And maybe I should tweak myself to be a little bit more like the person before me. I'm not that loud. Exactly. I'm not that excitable. My style is very different. And so it's a really great reminder I say to people, especially you know, with stages in particular, they selected you for you. Don't come up, don't show up as anybody else because they selected somebody else to take that role. So <laughs> exactly. Which leads me actually into my third one, which is that I have used, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly of my life. So the failures and the successes to actually enhance my trade. Yeah. Because I can go in and work with people and say, do you know what? You know what you've just described? I've been there. I was actually at a place where somebody I thought was better than me. And I almost walked away and thought, nah. And then I did it anyway. Or I've told them something that I did that didn't actually quite work out. But I'm still standing in front of you doing my stuff. So clearly it didn't get in the way of my progress. And so I've learned to use every opportunity, every experience, all the things that have happened to me or may happen to me. I add that to my trade as it's another tool in my toolkit of how I can make my trade better because people are buying me, not perfection. The other thing I, that I pick up from that is that's what means, that's what allows you to do the work the way that you do it, that nobody else could. Do you get it? Because it's nobody else has had your unique set of experiences, um, has had your unique set of ups and downs, has had your unique set of failures. And so they can't speak to the things that you can speak to in the way that you speak to them ever. You know, it's like, it's like the magic secret sauce that nobody can replicate. <laughs> so like, why, 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 why run from it? This is your version of the, you know, of that, that secret, the secret kernel's recipe. You've yeah. got your own, so don't run away from it. And everyone has it. If, you, if we would just tap into just who am I? Who, it, and everyone has something to give. We were born with something to give despite our circumstances. We were, but unfortunately, and, and that's why I'm particular about young people. Not all young people would be in the same set of circumstances that I was that maybe enabled me to open up the sh you know, my blinds and think maybe there is a hope for way forward. Yeah. Some children are victims of abuse. And so it will not even be on their radar to think there's something within me. But me, my having access to numbers and numbers of young people, I speak into their listening and I do not know who hears me, who may have never heard any of these things before. Yeah. And at that moment, there's just that glimmer of hope that might just help them get off that floor. So for those people who this conversation has been that glimmer of hope where they thought, right, I don't want to be a doormat anymore. I'm, I'm ready to do something different. And Auntie Ori feels like the person who can help me with it. How does somebody connect with you? Are you asking about my contact details? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, well, I've got a website, www.ore-lu, which is lou.com. Yeah. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, which I'm still trying to learn how to use. So this is me being my authentic, honest self. 
And I'm on Twitter, and I'm struggling with that one too. Okay, so, so go to LinkedIn or your website. Let's stick with Facebook. Or Facebook. Yes, yes. One of those I'm good three. with those ones. I'm good with those ones. There's well, a presence on the others, but you, the responses may be slow. Yes, and but what I would say is that even if you don't get in touch with me, pick up a piece of paper that has lines that you can number and make a list of all the things that you are, your qualities, things people have said, the things you know how to do, you, you know, your talents, you all have them. Write them down and be honest with yourself. Then write down the list of things that you don't like and you will see that you look good on paper. We all look good on paper. <laughs> we all look good on paper. Thank you so much for joining. If you were to leave us with a closing line of wisdom, because we've spoken about so much. Here we go. I'm gonna test you. I'm gonna test your speaker cap right now. You have oh, to put, put put that one on. If you were to leave us with just a closing line of wisdom, what would that be? It would be simple. You are enough. I do believe in upskilling, so we can enhance who we are. But who we are is enough, and that's where we get up power from that's the point where we start to get power we've taken charge now we don't need anybody else's permission oh you don't need anybody else's permission i guess i could have just said that well you know it's more powerful <laughs> when you first say that who you are is enough um you don't need anybody else's permission because who you are is absolutely a hundred percent enough thank you so much for joining we are fresh out of time but if you're listening on youtube or listening on a podcast please do hit that subscribe button and leave us a review we'll be back here next week same time same place until then have a fabulous evening weekend morning whatever it is wherever you are in the world Ciao for now. <laughs>